0: Hello. Hey, how are you doing today, dude? I didn't, I didn't know you were there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what's fun about digital technology, It's like, or even like a listener. I, I always think that, you know, you never know that the listener is there until they come up to you and say, hey, I just heard you say...
1: <laughs> <laughs> or heard your burp? <laughs> That's right, <laughs> dude. I mean, now were you thinking to do a video interview, or was it just the you know, audio one? You're just going to be using the audio portion, or is it? Is, I don't even know if it's going to be uh, translated.
0: Yeah, what? What's what? My my theory is because I'm a radio guy of 44 years. I st- I still believe in theater of the mind, and I and I, I really do uh, put a lot of interest in. I want listeners to listen to what we're saying, not how we're moving our hands or moving our eyes or anything <laughs> like that.
1: And I come from that school as well, just the same. And it's the the mystique of all of this is just seems to be gone. You know, it it, when you did before social media, you had to wait for a magazine interview to come out three months after it was already done, and everything was a waiting game and it it created a mystique. It created, uh, yeah, it was just it it wasn't so approachable and, and attainable. Everything is just like instant gratification, and there's something to be said about that too. But on the other hand, I just miss. I wish there was a better balance of the two.
0: I mean, I would race into Musicland and say, did the magazine get here yet? Did you get the new Rolling Stone? Is it When is it coming? When is it, what do you mean it's late? You can't be late. Rolling Stone's never late. And I mean, we we based our life on those magazines. Right. Wow. Now with you, now, you know. of course, we're going to talk about the mystique. I mean, that's how Led Zeppelin became Led Zeppelin because they were such a mystery. I is, is Right, same, right, right. Is exactly. the same true about you guys as well? There's such a mystique about you.
1: Well, it, that that's kind of how it was uh, uh, it was planned. Mm-hmm. I mean when you obviously even even the Beatles who had probably Beatles or Elvis who had the most of of any artists, I mean, they were the biggest up for their time and and for their genre, they had so much coverage. But there was still enough that they could. You just didn't know everything about them, and you always had a PR person saying, uh, "This is what Elvis likes to eat for breakfast. This is what uh, Paul McCartney does, uh, you know, for on Valentine's Day." They would <laughs> put out those different things, and it wasn't necessarily from the artist. So you didn't even know if it was connected to them. You just you hoped it was because it just everything they did was hype and build. But there was also kind of a, a, a hidden you're not going to penetrate these walls kind of thing back in the day.
0: Well, listeners do need to know about you guys that you agreed to play not by the rules. And I, and I'm when I, when I first read that, I went, Holy crap, this is my kind of band. We're not playing by the (laughs)
1: rules. (laughs) Well, you know what the, the the problem is, and it's not really a problem where that came from is how the band started. the, The whole idea behind art of anarchy was more so is it was like a, a pet project of the of the brothers of John and Vince. You know they they didn't really pursue the music end of things. They they love it so much. And they always wanted to be rock stars. They always wanted to be artists, etc. But they didn't pursue it as hardcore as as someone like say myself, where there was no option. There was no there was no uh, saying no. There was no turning back. They they obviously had day jobs. They had something to turn back to, and so by not giving it the full all they decided, you know, we're just sick of trying to put a band together, it's not really gonna work, it's not really gonna stay together. So instead, let's just make the dream record. Let's let's make the album that we always wanted to make. We'll, we'll get a, a bunch of our songs that they co-wrote with Ron and, and uh, he produced them back in the day when he's known them for so long. And just let's let's make our dream record with a bunch of different singers on it, and and we could just say, hey, we finally did it, and we could walk away and continue with our normal daily lives, saying that we actually try, we, we made the record that we always wanted to make. That album was the. first.
0: That's what it's supposed to be about. It's it, it's about taking chances and staying true to it, and then you know, and then just giving it away to the world.
1: Well, yeah, and and for the most, everybody's got their the method to their own man. This, this particular item this particular idea was just for them to say let's just get it out of the way we let's get it out of our systems because we'll never know what it was like to actually hold a disc or hold an album a or, or vinyl or, or or even look on a cloud and see our songs that, that are being shared with the world let's just do it so we can say we did it and if nothing <laughs> comes of it at least we we know we, we did a bucket list and so that's how the first album came about. It was Scott Weiland was the first one that came on board to sing on that uh, uh, to sing on a song or two, and it was his people that pushed him to say, "Hey, you know this came out great. Why don't we do this as a real band and and let Scott sing all the songs and and this would turn into uh, you know a, a new situation for him and you guys. Wow. And of course they were they said, "Of course, let's do that." And that's how pretty much the whole thing was born. But unfortunately, the there was no follow up. There was no follow through with it, mm-hmm. and so from that, you know, obviously the, the this the success or the demise, however you want to see it, of the first album was basically at its, the fate was basically there already. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Scott moved on, and then and, and then he passed away, you know, mere months later, and the band weren't even they weren't even considering moving forward. It, it was just by chance by the other people that worked around them and worked with them. They suggested Scott Stapp because they had an in with him, and he was—he sounded interested, and that's how that came about. So it was unfortunate how both singers didn't really stick around to, you know, to, to watch it resonate, to see right, it resonate, right. because it, they were picking up a lot of steam, especially the second record with, with Scott. With Scott Stapp, they really started making some noise, and people were really interested in this. But unfortunately, he wasn't interested in following through with it, and that resulted in a very lengthy lawsuit between them. Because Scott, he made a, he made a good chunk of change. A lot of people think that the the banner they're, they're suing him because of sour grapes. No, they're suing because he basically breached you know agreements. Wow. And I don't know how much of this I can actually talk about, right. but I'm just saying it how it is. That's I'm I'm basically sharing what's already out there in the public. I'm not here to bury him or put him down. I I, I think he's an amazing singer. He's had an amazing career, and I'm happy for Creed putting it back together. All of the above, but the bottom line is his exiting the band is is basically what gave me the opening it's you know they they literally were just putting it to bed they put the final nail on the coffin and it was me who kind of came in with my my hammer and pried the coffin open and say hey guys give <laughs> it one more shot <laughs>
0: see that's the part of the music story that fans don't get anymore that's the stuff that was on the inside sleeve of an album or you're backstage at a concert and you're going yo man what you been up to lately and all of a sudden you're in that moment of what is right now and first of all you make this sound i mean this whole entire album here we can start off with vilified i mean the way that you pull this story together is just amazing and those vocals are right there
1: well, thank you, man. I, and as a singer, it's, it's my responsibility, it's our responsibilities to tell a story. You know, it, it's it's about how you tell the story. There's some singers who don't have storyteller kind of voices. They don't really change the dynamic or the mood of the voices. Uh, most people can and most people do, but that's what we do. You know, a lyric is supposed to be sold at, or told as a story. It's supposed to be given as a as a piece of poetry or a piece of something that of history, what, whatever the context is, it needs to be sold as such. And and I try to do that with every song and even my involvement with a band like TSO really helped me uh, learn even more how to really dramatize a, a storyline or, or a theme or something, something like vilified. It's got, its it's got its ebbs and flows and you kind of have to go with it and, and create that
0: behind it you know in every song that i listen to from this album it's it's almost like if if you guys don't put your lyrics on t-shirts man you're missing out on a boatload of money because i mean because <laughs> even with die hard if we all must die we must die hard i mean that right there would you not wear that on a t-shirt
1: absolutely i i, I couldn't agree more and uh obviously we we don't want to take a we don't want a bloodbath and <laughs> financing merch that people don't pick up. But right. yeah, if a song like that, absolutely. So, I mean, look at this is a recent lawsuit with the band Journey that uh, they, they basically had to go against a lot of these merchandise companies using titles of their song. You, you would see a, a shirt at JCPenney that said, Don't Stop Believing. Yep. The first thing you think of is Journey. You're, you, anybody can say, Don't Stop Believing. But the, what's the one thing that you think of when you see that? When you say, We are the champions. Anybody could say it in the context of what the lyric is, but when you hear that lyric or you read that lyric, you know exactly who to direct it towards. So naturally, the band should be getting a kickback from that yep. because you would never have just made a shirt that said, don't stop believing if it wasn't for a massive worldwide hit with the same title.
0: Dude, I'm the jerk that will be at a mall or a grocery store and I'll see somebody with a band T-shirt on and I'll go up to them and I'll say, so tell me about Nirvana. What, what do you know about them that yeah. you're sporting their shirt right now? Oh, I don't know. I got the T-shirt, dude. I will embarrass yeah. them in a heartbeat because they don't deserve I, to be wearing picked- the T-shirt.
1: My thing is name two members of this band besides <laughs> besides the key ones. Name somebody else in the band besides Lemmy. <laughs> that's that's another one you see you see pop artists and rap artists wearing Motorhead t shirts and yeah it's cool because it, it it shows edge and it shows that those t shirts and that those images are, are so iconic that people want to wear them they want to put them on their backs but it's it's also kind of weird when you don't know any of the music you're just wearing it because it's it's just a it's a logo.
0: Am I wrong to think that the song Die Hard, that you guys were almost unafraid to fill in the blanks of What If? I mean, you guys really go into it. It's like, we're unafraid. We're, we're gonna go there, and you're gonna talk about it afterwards.
1: Um, you know, I do that with all of my lyrics. I, I try to be as, as not, I don't wanna say poetic, but at least as, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, as direct, uh, because all of my lyrics, they, they, ha- they do mean something to me. And, but I also do write in double entendre a lot. I, I, I write a lot in terms of you could read these lyrics and think this song is about President Trump or President Biden <laughs> this is you can tell that he's ta- attacking this and I, I could be talking about my gardener. My gardener came he screwed up my <laughs> my lawn in my backyard and I, I want you know I'll use the same hypo uh, hyperbo- hyperbole lyrics to attack the the, the theme and the subject but somebody will take it in, in, in a different context completely. I love that. I love making the audience guess. I, I love making them wonder, I wonder if he's talking about this or talking about that. And one of the examples I'll, I'll use, um, my my other band Talisman, but longtime band Talisman that I was in for 19 years. We, we did an album, I forgot it was 2002 or 1998. I don't remember this album. There was a song on the album called Madison and Madison in reference to the lyrics sounds like I had a really, you know, volatile relationship. And and man, this this girl sounded like she was nuts because the song, the lyric is about how you drove me crazy. You make me want to throw you off a cliff sometimes, but then then I just want to hug you and love you. And and the song is called Madison. It's like, man, Jeff really went to the ringer with this girl Madison. And when I started doing interviews for it, they, they people were bringing this up, and I said the song is about my dog.
0: Oh my god!
1: <laughs> I, I had a golden retriever, a golden retriever <laughs> puppy. It was a female named Madison, and she was almost untrainable. She was really difficult, and all the lyrics pertain to the relationship I had with her as a puppy. She ended up growing up to be the perfect dog, but I, I was so like, oh my god, I want to. I just wanna throw you off a cliff right now because you just don't listen. <laughs> and it that that was kind of the beginning of where it all started when I, I realized people were unless I said, hey, this this song is dedicated to my dog they're gonna read it and get their own interpretation the same way you do when you read a book versus seeing the movie. You're gonna get your own interpretation of what the lyrics mean. So I love doing that, and a song like Die Hard is no exception.
0: Man, I'll tell you what, that that reminds me so much. I remember when I was so in love with a song called Shannon from Henry Gross back in the 1970s, and, and until Casey Kasem told us what the song was about, it was like, oh. Oh, I, I, I'm not in love with that song like I used to be, and and because right. because it was about a dog as well, and and it's like, oh, come on, and and so, but because you're right, we all have our own interpretation, just like the title of a song. I mean, it's like we we go into right. a song because rivals sound. It's like, damn, it's about rivals. I got to go see what this is all about.
1: <laughs> exactly, and one of one of my favorite songs of all time from the '70s. I still don't know what it's about from Paul McCartney and Wings. The song "Jet." Yes, people say you say it's about a pony. You read the lyrics, you're like, "What is it? What is this about?" I love the song. I don't care. I just love the song.
0: I I still wish they would have just released scrambled eggs instead of turning it into "Let It Be," because I would have I would have right, jammed right, right, out right. to scrambled eggs.
1: You know what? That's that's another songwriter's trick in, in in just in general. I know a lot of I I don't do it myself, but like for instance, is another band I, I I'm I'm here I'm pimping out all my other bands uh another band I've been'm a long time part of a band called wet yeah and um when the the main primary songwriter of the band is also the producer he's also the lead singer in the band Eclipse and whenever he sends me uh a song with kind of he wants melodies to send me to, to write lyrics over he does all these throwaway lyrics that make no sense they some of them are cliche, but he'll come up with silly titles just because it rolls off his tongue. Yeah. And when I write the lyrics, I actually rhyme those silly those, those silly rhymes to an actual title that works and lyrics that work. Just because when he's doing the lyric, it's nothing else could could replace it. Like he had uh, he he sent me one that the chorus he sang Rock Me Caroline. I'm like, I'm not gonna write a song a lyric called Rock Me Caroline for one. <laughs> so I, I I actually changed the lyric to Heart is on the line and it's still sang as fluent as his La La lyrics and his La La melodies that he sent me. When when you sing it over that it's like it almost sounds like intentionally sang Rock Me Caroline because I I got so used to hearing his demo of it.
0: Wow, wow. So I'll tell you, my my prediction from my heart is is that you guys are going to cross over to Adult Top 40 Radio as well as regular Top 40 Radio with Bridge of of Tomorrow. And the reason why is because there's just something about this song that says, I need to be everywhere.
1: Well, yeah, and, and it's funny because that song... I think most of the songs that start off softly even like vilified for instance yeah they kind of give you the illusion that, oh this must be the big ballad i mean bridge of tomorrow it starts out ballading you think wow this is going to be a nice smooth sultry song and then you get to the chorus
0: but see i think that's what people are so used to nowadays what because we're, we're we're crisscrossing our genres and we don't we don't mind having a little bit of rock and a little bit of slowness together
1: Well, yeah. And and that's also the responsibility of the songwriters, the artists and the producers is to make sure that, of course, nothing is original or completely original. You are basically recycling things that you've heard and things that you've done in the past. But it's all about how you recycle them. It's about how you do them. It's how how you interpret them. You could take a song as I want to write something that that sounds like Metallica would have recorded it but you also don't want to make it sound too plagiaristic that right. like this is something that only Metallica could have recorded. So why, why is this band doing it? You want to put your own spin on something because of course, influence is always going to be there. And without influence, we we wouldn't have anything to draw from, Yeah. but you also have to put your own spin on it. And, and thankfully, a lot of the artists that I love and listen to, including the ones I work with do that exactly that.
0: Who's the master planner behind this this uh, album cover? Because this thing needs to be in a frame, and it needs to be on about a billion walls.
1: <laughs> the, this is the twins, uh, the, the, the brothers in the band. They, they've got – this is basically their band. You know, they, they started this idea with Ron pr- uh, at the production helm. Ron never planned on making this a band, but obviously as it progressed and kept moving forward, not only did they realize they need him uh, a little more involved than just ma- being a producer – they need him more as a band member and, and somebody to kind of oversee everything because because of the vision. So it starts with the twins, it starts with the brothers, and then and then we step in and we put, you know, we 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 get our input there, and uh, it turns into what it turns into. And this was the very this was the very beginning idea of when I came to Ron about this. I remember even on in 2018 on the first Sons of Apollo tour, we were on the bus. He gave me both albums, and I, I was listening to him endlessly i'm just going, oh my god the, this material is awesome it's really really good stuff I, and all i kept thinking is i wonder what my voice would have sounded like on this stuff and it's it's kind of like a guilty pleasure i i just love the, the sound i love the vibe and i i i, I came back to ron during and i said man it's it's such a bummer that art of anarchy is not continuing because i would have loved to have seen what my voice would have sounded like on on some of this stuff and he says hmm let me call you back <laughs> later that day he sent me a couple songs that they they've still been working on they had no plan of putting the band back together they just they just continue working and he said here's some stuff that we've been working on if you want to you want to dabble with it see what see what you get out of it and oh that that was the beginning stages of this this thing coming back together
0: oh my god that what a story what a story where can people go to find out more about anarchy that the album you i know you guys have got to be doing some merchandise
1: we are, start, everything's just starting because for, for all intents and purposes, the band's been dormant for, I'm going to say, well, since 2000, I'm going to say 2018. Wow. It's pretty much when uh, the, the nail was finally going down on the coffin. Mm-hmm. So it's been dormant for a while. There are a lot of people that don't remember the band, that don't really care that it was a band that existed. So we are pretty much reinventing what this band is all about especially even with the sound with, with Let There Be Anarchy There's a, it's a deeper darker heavier sound than they had before so there is kind of a reinvention there of sorts and so we're kind of playing it we're not playing it safely but we're we're just being cautious we don't want to assume that everybody's going to jump on and yeah. jump in but We also have to uh, be ready for it if and when they do.
0: Yeah, but dude, we're in that age right now where people are discovering music every day. We are locked in on show me something new, show me something new, show me something new. And this is and, and us talking about this. This is going to take people to those streaming platforms.
1: I sure hope so. I, 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 you know, I came into this band without the, the guys didn't ask me to join the band. They they weren't seeking a new singer. They weren't looking to continue. I came to them and said, "I would love to see what this sounds like." What this would be like, and so I'm totally invested. I, I I came in with full commitment and loyalty of of seeing it through, and I want to see these guys have some success as much as I want to be successful. I want to be the the contributing successor to this moving forward. So. But it's everybody's got something invested in this, and and as I said, it's this is not a bought band, this is not a a paid situation where I came in and you know, hey, here's a here's a contract and a six figures and sing the record, and it, even if you do nothing with it, at least we have your voice on it. Not at all. This is as real to me as anything else that I've ever done. And uh, I'm I'm really behind it, and I I hope people can hear that in the music.
0: Wow, to hear your passion right away! I'm thinking of of uh, Travis Kelsey going up to Andy Reid and just blaring, "I want to get back in the game," and I I can just hear your passion.
1: (laughs) You know, it's still there, man. (laughs) This is my 40 year anniversary. I started my career in in, uh, 1984 with Ingve Malmsteen. Wow. And I still have that fire, man. It's it's people say, Man, aren't you burnt out? Aren't you sick of mm-hmm. doing music that nobody's really buying or paying attention to? And I've said, Absolutely not. In fact, I have even more creative uh, <laughs> flow going on right now because it's not about only about the people. I need to do this is my therapy. This is my job, but this is also my therapy. I have to release yep. this music. I have to release these ideas. I have to I need an outlet to to continue being creative and to continue being who I always wanted to be when I was a young kid and decided I want to be an artist when I get older, I still have that in me where I don't take it for granted. It's, oh, I'm just going to rest on my laurels and just go out there and play the stuff that I I did 25, 30 years ago. That's just my it's no knock on anybody else that decides that it's my own personal way of thinking I, I just want to continue that way even if two people buy the record and one of them is my mother I want to be creative and, and have an outlet where I can show people what I do and how I do it
0: <laughs> you got to come back to this show anytime in the future the door is always going to be open for you man I
1: appreciate that man
0: well you have a brilliant day today okay
1: thank you sir thank uh, I hope all, all is great on your world and uh, continue doing what you're doing thank you for giving us an outlet to talk about it as well